So about, I would say, 15, 20 years ago, there was this message that I couldn't get away from. But apparently I did because I never preached it, never developed it. It's been heavy on my heart. And so I was like, you know, I am just going to sit down. I'm going to write out this message. And I felt so led to preach this today. And I can't get away from it because this message, it is unique, but it is focused on the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know in this time, in this world, and the way things are, we, we need some good news. I want you to say, yes, I agree with that. I, I, I am so ready for some good news when I turn on social media or I watch the news. Turn on social media. Who does that? When I'm looking at social media. I had an old man moment there. But when I am looking through social media and flipping through, and I'm thinking to myself, is there anything positive taking place in the world? And I just get so discouraged because there is hope, and I lose track of that hope. I want to talk to you on this topic this afternoon that involves three trees and three men. It's very odd, but I want to talk to you about the man behind the tree, the man in the tree, and the man on the tree. Each tree and each man represents each of us from different points of view. So look at this. The man behind the tree is sinning against God and his name is Adam. The man in the tree is seeking God. His name is Zacchaeus. And then the man on the tree was sent by God. His name is Jesus. And that's not just any tree. That tree is the cross. And that cross is what gives us the gospel, the good news, what we need today. But each one of these trees and each one of these men are very important for this story. The tale of three trees. And it begins at the beginning. And the beginning would be Genesis. So everybody with me. And in the very beginning, there was a man behind the tree who was sinning against God and his name is Adam. And we all know the story very well. Even if you're not involved in church, you know the story. The man behind the tree. This man created something that we all hate. We despise. It's sin. And ever since this has taken place, life has not been easy. The age-old question of where and how sin has begun has been explored and debated by some of the greatest minds in history. Uh, not only that, it's hard to for some people to really put their mind uh, in such a place that they can fully understand uh, what sin really is and how did it all really begin. So the answer to that question has to begin in the book of Genesis. And, and so we look in Genesis chapter 3 and we see where evil originated from, the beginning of time. Now watch this. Evil was never... Never God's choice. Some people say, God created sin. No, God did not create sin. And some people think, well, God created evil. No, God did not create evil. Evil began with man, the creature, not the creator. By the way, we're the creature, okay? <laughs> but at the very beginning time, God created us with a purpose and a reason, but we seem to mess things up. And so Adam, the man that was created with perfection, soon became the source of imperfection. And because of that, disobedience now reigns in our hearts, just like it reigned in his heart when he made a decision to go against the will of God. 
Now, the story begins in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3. And some of you probably are very familiar with this, probably most everybody in here. And what takes place, before we dive into Genesis chapter 3, is this beautiful picture of the garden, the Garden of Eden. And in the midst of this garden, these two unique trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life, and multiple other trees. And God makes it very simple. So listen, Adam, Eve, I'm going to make this easy. Any tree in the garden, y'all can eat, enjoy. That's your groceries. And the tree of life, enjoy that one too. But that tree right there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat. Now, is this forbidden fruit have some power that decays the body? Not necessarily. It's the fact that when you eat of it, you disobeyed God. And because of that, sin now is entered into the world. Think of Samson and his long, beautiful hair, right? Was there power in Samson's hair? No, there was no power in his hair. It was the fact that he was not to touch his hair with scissors and cut it. Because when he cut his hair, then he disobeyed God. And then he lost his power because of his disobedience to God. Same goes with the tree. Now watch this. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents free will. You can do your will or you can do God's will. But when you eat of that tree, everything at that moment is going to become corrupt because you did it your ways instead of God's way. And there was one that made it very clear by questioning God that there was other possibilities for Adam and Eve. And that one was Satan. And at that moment when he began to question God, Eve began to question everything. So easy to get there. And so there we are now in this location of Genesis chapter 3, and we see the story unfold, right? In verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, let, let me remind you, that is the lust of the flesh, as in 1 John 2.16. She said, this looks good. She continues... And that it was pleasant for the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes in the tree. It, it, was, it was desired to make one wise. That's the pride of life. So here she is. She's got all this lust and desire taking place. And she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband. I can't help but wonder what he was doing. Just standing there watching as she takes of the fruit. Knowing that everything's going to fall apart now. But he eats of it as well. And then they have this idea. Now that they've eaten of, eaten of the fruit, they can see that something's not right, right? Their eyes are open and they immediately notice that they're naked. And so now there's shame. Before there was no immodesty. Now there is because they realize something doesn't look quite right here. And so they take the leaves and they sew them together and they, they make aprons. Not too much of a covering there either, but that was their desire to cover up as much as they can. And then they did something very unique according to verse 8. They heard the voice of the Lord and they ran and they hid. Now my mom's here all the way in the back wearing blue, just to point you out, mom. And when I was a kid, if I did something wrong and I heard the voice of my mother, fear struck my heart. And I knew it didn't matter where I'd run and hide. She would find me. But can you imagine thinking you can run and hide behind an oak tree? 
and hide from God the creator? Well, that's what they did. And they hid behind the tree. And so Adam is hiding his sin. And the Bible says that Adam and his wife hid themselves, therefore, from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Listen, you can hide your sin, but you cannot hide your sin from God. You will be found out. I do not know why I have this obsession with 2020 true crimes, but it's been my thing lately, right? They're all based on true stories. And so I was watching one the other day, and um, it just was just so unique the way this mom was thinking. She thought, I'm tired of having all these kids and this man in my house, so I'm just going to kill them all off. So she did it by using antifreeze and putting it inside the Coke, the Coca-Cola. The only problem was in the garage, when people started catching on that one after another after another, their family started dying off, something's not right. So they began to research and found the antifreeze next to bottles of Coke in the garage with a funnel. And so it wasn't that she hid her sin too well. It kind of caught me off guard because my wife watched that with me. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. A day later, I heard her. I heard her in her office ordering antifreeze, right? Y'all come on now. I went in the garage, and there was a jug of antifreeze with a funnel sitting in the middle of the garage. And I'm like, babe, her, her office is right next to the garage. I said, babe, why is there antifreeze in the garage? She goes, well, I, I ordered that for Buddy. It's for his car. It's for his car. Why is there Coke? No, I'm just kidding. There was no Coca-Cola there. <laughs> At that moment, true crime. This was true crime. This was the real deal. This is where it all began, right here in Genesis chapter 3. But there was no hiding. What bothers me about this is that the disobedience of, of Adam brought forth and developed two things. Now, don't miss this. This is very important. The origin of sin and the penalty of sin. See, in Romans chapter 5, it kind of sums it up for us. It says this in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man, that man being Adam, sin entered into the world. Okay, we see that? That is where it all began. And death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Every man, woman, and child. What? Are you kidding me? Because of Adam and Eve? Mankind's sinful humanity began here and from this point on, everything's went wrong. Nothing's been good. Nothing. Physically, nothing's gone right. And I'm not just talking about with our bodies. I'm talking about with the world. I still right here, I got this cut on my hand. I know you feel sorry for me. It was when I was at Glory Reigns. We were putting in um, some, some mulch. And I got next to a rose bush. And it dug deep into my hand, the thorns. And I'm just thinking, they're just not worth having. There's nothing that pretty about them worth having because of the thorns. But it used to not be that way. I'd imagine that if Adam and Eve didn't fail and mess up in the garden, we'd all have a full head of hair. And we would have hair growing in the right places instead of falling out in the wrong places. Y'all follow me? Nothing has went right since the beginning of time. And it's frustrating because the longer time goes on, the worse things get. There's unexplainable things taking place when it comes to our world. And I'm not just talking about people in general. I'm just talking about 
all of a sudden we have cold and then it's and it's extremely warm and the next thing you know we have tornadoes taking place in places we never seen tornadoes take place in earthquakes especially earthquakes what's going on I'll tell you what's going on the world is corrupt I'm talking about the physical world as we know it and because it all started right here in Genesis chapter 3. If you want to know everything about life, it's from Genesis 1 to Genesis 11. Every question you have is answered from Genesis 1 to Genesis chapter 11. And right here, the origin of sin is in Genesis chapter 3. Wherefore by one man sin, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So sin didn't just affect us physically, not just the world physically and mankind physically, but it also affected us spiritually. Because of sin, there's now a penalty to be paid. It's physical and spiritual. We know that we are not going to live forever. That's the physical part. Years and years and years ago, all the way back to Noah's time, those dudes would live forever. We're talking six, seven, eight hundred years. And they probably look pretty good. Being 500 years old, you were like, you look like you're in your 20s. But times have changed. We don't have that privilege anymore. Our bodies, our minds, everything as we know starts to decay. But there's a bigger problem. It's the spiritual aspect. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all people, all men, for that all have sinned. The word death in this passage of scripture is very important. Because it's not just talking about physical death. It's talking about spiritual death. Because of sin, we not only grow old, but we also spiritually are dead. We are like the walking dead, spiritually speaking. Because of sin, I hate sin. Sin has done something awful in my life. Spiritual death and spiritual death separates us from God. That is what Adam and Eve did. We have a broken relationship with our Creator God. All sin, no matter how trivial it may seem, falls short of the moral perfection of God. We no longer are perfect people and we no longer have a relationship with a perfect God. We all fall short of the glory of God. That means the perfection of God. That means this. This is very important. The penalty of sin not only means we're spiritually going to die, physically going to die, but there's, an, there's a location for us that is not as pleasant as we would want. Because when we close our eyes in death, the only place that we have if we don't have Jesus Christ is hell. Because anybody and everybody that ever existed could not step in through the gates of glory with sin. Now watch this. I don't know any other way to put it, but imagine this. Let's put up here on the screen a, a, a dartboard. And everybody in this room has a dart, and that dart represents your life. In the middle of that dartboard is a bullseye, and that bullseye represents the perfection of God, the glory of God, as this passage of Scripture says. If you can hit that bullseye, then you're good enough to get to heaven. You've, you've had enough works in your life. You're A-OK. -okay. And now let's just say I take my dart and I throw it at that dartboard right, right there. And, 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 and I'm not a very good guy. Let's just pretend I'm an awful guy, all right? A horrible guy. Some of you are not having too hard of a time imagining that. And I completely miss the dartboard. 
You see that? But let's say there's somebody else here and they're fairly okay. You take your dart, not a bad guy, you're okay, and you throw yours and you hit the dartboard, but you don't hit the middle. Maybe, maybe there's a, somebody in the back that you just got it all together. I mean, you, you got good hygiene. You love your spouse. You love your children. Your finances are amazing. You are a good, good person. <laughs> You're almost perfect. You throw your dart and you get so close, but you don't quite hit the red. You hit that green. The point is simple. Not one of us hit the bullseye. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all have been separated from our creator God because of sin. And the penalty for that is we do not get to enjoy the glories of heaven because we are not worthy of it. We do not get to walk in the cool of the day like Adam and Eve and have a relationship with our God because of the penalty of sin. There's a separation between us and God. Now, this is important to understand before we dive into the next part. The reality is we're all sinners whether we like it or not. You may say, I'm doing okay. No, you're not. You're not doing okay. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, according to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. We are not doing okay. We are not doing okay. We're barely hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. We are not doing okay. Now watch this. Because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, sin has been the inheritance that we get. Say, man, that is just not fair. I hate it. I mean, come on. We aren't the ones that did the sin. But just as we inherit physical characteristics from our parents, we inherit the sinful nature from Adam because we're descendants of Adam. Whether you like it or not, Grandpa Adam did us real bad wrong. And here we are. And the reality is, our relationship with our Creator God has been severed. And nobody had to teach me how to sin. Mom can testify. Nobody taught me how to lie. I figured it out on my own. Nobody had to teach me how to be arrogant and prideful and mm, bow up against my mom when I was two years old. You ever had a little one and you go out to eat and you're all so excited to be with your little one It's now sitting in his high chair? And you're, you're, you're excited that he's, he's being a good boy. And then you go to put him his little legs in that high chair. And what, he does, what, what does he do? He stiffens up. You're like, oh, Junior. <laughs> Just put your legs in there, Junior. Put your legs in there. And you want to break his little legs to get him in there. <laughs> because Junior has a sin nature where he doesn't want to do what you want him to do. You know why? Because he's disobedient, just like Papa Adam. And it's in us. It's who we are. Now, I want to bring your attention to this. The reality is this. The man behind the tree was sinning against God, and this was the origin of sin. This is where it all began. And the penalty of sin is simply this. We now have something missing. Something is missing. And as you get older, you begin to realize there's a void. There's an emptiness, and I don't know how to fill it. And some people are so void and so empty, they try to get some kind of feeling, so they start cutting. 
And they think, I can feel something now, but it's not sufficient. They get, to, they get involved in alcohol and drugs, and they're like, I feel something now, and, and, but it's not sufficient. And some, they get involved with, with, with sex, and they're getting involved in pornography, but it's not sufficient. There's still something missing. There's something void in their life. And I'm going to beg you to examine yourself because if, you're a, if you say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and you still feel empty, and you've never had that void filled, there's still this separation between you and your creator God. I have news for you. There's an answer, and it comes with the second man. This is the man in the tree who is seeking God. His name is Zacchaeus. And I can relate to Zacchaeus because I'm vertically challenged just like Zacchaeus was. He was a wee little man. We know when we were in junior church, we say, wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And I think, man, if I was at the time of Christ, that would be me. I'd be, I would be looking for, quit nodding your head. I'd be looking for a sycamore tree because I would be seeking out a way to see the Son of God. What's the point? Jesus was about to pass through Jericho. And so Zacchaeus was thinking, I want to see this guy. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Zacchaeus. He was wealthy. I love how the Bible says it. He was rich. He had a lot of money because he was a tax collector. Now, the problem with that is this. Jewish people being tax collectors were outcast because they were collecting money for the Roman Empire, and that's a no-go for the Jewish people. They hated that. So he didn't have really too many friends. He didn't have social skills, and he just felt empty, and he was seeking an answer. He was so desperate to get an answer, he thought, I'll run ahead of everybody because I'm so short. I can't see over everybody's heads to see Jesus. I'll climb the tree, and when Jesus passes by, I'll get to check out what's going on, and maybe I can have an encounter with the Son of God. So he climbs the tree. He runs ahead. He climbs the tree, and according to Luke chapter 19, 1 through 4, he climbs up the tree in verse 2, excuse me, in verse 3, and he sought to see Jesus. He was seeking Jesus, because the press, and I'm not talking about the press like we see on TV, the press was just the amounts of people was too much for him. Now watch, and he ran in verse 4 and climbed up the sycamore tree to see him because he was about to pass that way. The reality is we're all a little bit like Zacchaeus. We're all seeking something. And I don't know what you're seeking, but I have a feeling it's peace and purpose. Because if you don't have peace and you don't have purpose, you really don't have a true life. You're empty. Peace and purpose only comes through Jesus Christ in that restoration of your relationship with God the Father. And so here he is. He believes that Jesus is the Son of God and he's desperate to connect with him and have this fulfillment, this emptiness inside. And he's so desperate that he went to the, the, as far as to, to, to find a tree and climb it. And when you're really seeking an answer, you'll go as far as you possibly can. I don't know about you, but if I want something bad enough, I'm just going to keep on and keep on and keep on until I get it. And that's why people get wrapped up in all the wrong things and all these different religions because they're so desperate for an answer they can't seem to find it. Now watch. <laughs> How far are you willing to go to get your answer and your fulfillment? I, when I go down south, I get frustrated because this is my favorite drink right here. <laughs> And they don't have it. I just can't find it anywhere. And I went to Tennessee about a week ago. 
And I was on my way back and I'm tired. And now I'm going to tell you what this drink does for me. It makes me happy and it sounds like an alcoholic drink. No, it's not. It's just a monster. Wow, this is such a bad example maybe. But I, it just makes me happy and it, it wakes me up and it has plenty of caffeine. It gives me energy. It's a hydro. That means it has water. huh? It's not a carbonated drink. And so I stopped at a gas station. I went in and I'm, and I'm like, oh, that's okay. No, I was seeking it out. I knew what I needed. I thought it would bring fulfillment. Nothing. Go to the next gas station. Nothing. The next gas station. I went to 10 gas stations. By about the eighth gas station, I was literally talking out loud when I went to the cooler. Are you kidding me? What's wrong with you Southerners? Why don't you have the most simplistic drink? It's one of the best monsters. Ha! That was all in my mind. I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> then I get in my car and leave. Finally, I settled for a drink that did not make me happy. I just got one of those fruity drinks, and I'm like, yeah, like a Gatorade type thing. And I'm like, this just didn't do anything for me. And I feel like that's where Zacchaeus was. I have all the riches. I have all the pleasure. Everything I possibly can want, but I still am not happy. Now watch this. What if I pulled up to a gas station, and they come out to my car, and they knock on the window, and I look, and the employee goes, hey, Dave, I know you love this drink, and I got it for you. It's free. Take it. I knew you were coming to this gas station. That's why I prepared this for you. What? That would be amazing and somewhat creepy, but that's okay. I would take the drink and probably shake his hand and be very grateful. That seems absurd, but that's exactly what happened to Zacchaeus. Now watch this. Don't miss this. Zacchaeus is up in the tree, and all of a sudden, Jesus passes by, and the Bible says in verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Can you imagine Zacchaeus at the moment thinking, oh boy, there's hundreds of people out here, and he's staring at me. And not only did Jesus stop and point him out, he called him out. He literally called him by name and said, Zacchaeus, listen, you need to come home. Come down. We're going to your home. Make haste. That means come on. Let's hurry up. Get down from there because I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus is thinking, what? Everything I've been looking for just came to me because Jesus sought him out. I'm going to tell you something. His whole life changed. He started off trying to do some good things. He said to, he said to Jesus, he said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change some things up. I'm gonna, Lord, I'm going to give half of all my goods uh, back to the poor. I'm going to do that. And Jesus gets straight to the point and says, today salvation's come to your house. And this is the reason why. For the Son of Man, which means Jesus, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The real meaning of life, both now and in eternity, is found in the restoration of a relationship with God that Adam and Eve broke nearly 6,000 years ago. And according to Romans chapter verse 8, the restoration is only possible through God's Son, Jesus Christ. He is the answer. I love this verse. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. That means full. I want to fulfill your life. Now, I'm going to tell you, you may not be a wee little man, but you may be just like Zacchaeus, and you are void inside and empty. 
and you're seeking and you're seeking and you're sinking and you don't know where to get the answer. And I have good news for you. He's seeking you as much as you're seeking him. Now we go to the third man because it all comes together with the third man. That is why God sent his son Jesus to earth 2,000 years ago. And with this third man, we see this all come together. The third man is the man on the tree who was sent by God. His name is Jesus. See, Jesus came to save. You say, I know that. But do you understand that? This was God's rescue plan for all of mankind. Now, don't lose me here because some of you have never told anybody about God's rescue plan. You just live in your little bubble and you go through life as a Christian and go, I'm good to go. But everybody else don't know because you never shared the truth with them, which is the gospel, the good news. That, you know, we're talking over 6,000 years ago, Adam was a man that brought sin into the world. And then there was men like Zacchaeus were seeking an answer because they're empty inside. And you know what the answer is because it's the man on the tree who's sent by God and his name is Jesus. And so the answer comes in John chapter 3 and verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the rescue plan. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. That just means you're cursed. So, well, I don't believe. Well, you're already cursed. Your only hope is believing in Jesus who came to save. And the only way he can save is to die. Now watch. That is the most horrific thing I've ever read in Scripture is to think that a man named Jesus, the Son of God, had to live and die to save me. To save me and to save you. But that was the only way it was to be done. In order for us to be rescued, Jesus had to make the off, this awful sacrifice, this unbelievable choice to be the substitutional death for me and for you. I want you to know that I could not do that and you could never do that. Only he could do that. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The only reason he's the only one that could do that is because he was 100% man and 100% God, yet without sin. And so the only one that could step in our place had to be a perfect man because we all fall short of the glory of God and the wages of our sin is death, physical and spiritual. And so this amazing thing happened. Jesus was born in a manger and lived 33 and a half years on this earth doing amazing things. And then he gave his life for us. And all we have to do in return is accept the free gift of eternal life. It's the gift of God. And that's by believing. And everything changes because then there's the restoration. We are restored with our creator God. We have a relationship. You say, does that mean we're not going to have any physical problems? No. Does it mean the world's going to change? No. It just means that you have now the hope of heaven because now you are counted worthy only because of what Jesus did for you. He's the man on the tree sent by God because he loves you and me.